Hey, Martin. Oh, hey there. Did you know that I have a Russian YouTube channel now? I... Oh, yeah, I did. I did mm -hmm. know that, actually. It's pretty dope, honestly. Mm -hmm. My spy network let me know. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I had these people reach out to me a while ago, and they were like, hey, we want to translate your videos into Russian and make a Russian YouTube channel. And I've got a friend who did that, so I've been working with them. Uh, and just yesterday, I think, the first one went online. And I could not even pronounce the name of the video because... Yep. I don't know how to speak or read Russian. Yep. It's one of those weird languages where you kind of feel like you should be able to read it, but then you're like, wait, there's a weird circle no, just, with a just, line through it's it. It's misleading because a, it uses similar characters, but in a massively different way and then adds new ones. Yeah. And some of these characters, there's a backwards N. There's some characters that look like Japanese characters almost. There's like a half of a block. So I can't read it, but it's pretty cool. It's a thing that exists, so I don't know. That's the thing. I, I, if, if you're the beginning. Russian, if you're a Russian listener, I know, right? And you just well, if if we hate, have Russian listeners to English, the podcast, then uh, I think they can listen to. I mean, they could probably listen to all the English videos. What if they just hate English though? They're just tired of listening to. That's it. true. Actually, that's a good question. Are you tired of English, Martin? Uh, I know you like to watch anime in Spanish and stuff. So, uh, well, I mean, I'm listening to it in Japanese. I'm just reading Spanish subs. Oh, reading Spanish subs. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot more common. For me to find. It's on Crunchyroll. I happen to know that uh, Death Note has been dubbed in many, many, many languages. So if you happen to want to listen to an anime in Spanish, oh, there's one for you. Cool. I don't know if you ever want to watch that show again. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the twists are lost on me now. I've seen them. Well, you've seen them, yeah. yeah so. And I feel like you were telling me you liked the show, but it was one of those shows that put you in a funk because it's not a happy show. Well... Or something? That's, no, no, not nearly as bad as like Black Mirror. Okay. Yeah, Black Mirror definitely puts me in the same kind of funk. I just you like, watch the episode and you're like, this is sort of realistic and could happen. I Ugh. like shows that make me feel uh, good, you know? I don't really like watching things in general, so why would I, agree. I watch something that makes me feel horrible? Yeah, this is the reason that I don't watch Breaking Bad. Um, for the longest time, I avoided watching Game of Thrones because I was convinced that it was, it was one of those shows where nothing but bad things happen. Uh, and now that I've watched Game of Thrones, I know that that's not true for that show. But in Breaking Bad, there's almost nothing good that happens, at least that I've seen. Money's there's good. There's cool things that happen. A lot of money happens. I mean, and there's very well-written and awesomely acted things that happen, but nothing ever really all that happy. Yeah. Same thing with, like, Sons of Anarchy. It's just just crap across the board. Yeah. Bad Life stuff. is horrible, the show. You know what is awesome, though? Um, we just pre-ordered Switches. Yeah, it's the Switch. Let's switch the over Nintendo to this topic. Switch, I know, right? I'm stoked. Yeah. Uh, even, though some of those, <laughs> even though some of those uh, translators were having a hard time last night, Yeah, I was pretty excited. I got to tell you, I wasn't really planning on pre-ordering it until Traitor. we watched it. Well, I'm, I'm not a Nintendo guy like you I are, was going to pre-order you know? it before it even had a name. Well, you buy everything that Nintendo makes. Yes, I do. And I'm pretty I'm gonna, sure if you were 10 years older, you probably would have a, been watching I have a body pillow buying. of Reggie Fizeme. <laughs> I don't, but I'm going to look for one now. People are going to believe that. I hope I have one. I want to get one now. <laughs> if you don't own one, they're probably going to send you one now. Good. Just let anybody out there listening know, I mean, there's a P.O. box. I'm not going to say it on the air, but 
federal regulations require for there to be a PO box at the bottom of my emails. And if you want to send Martin a Reggie fees on a body pillow, yeah. I can't stop you. Well, if I had one, there would be pictures. <laughs> so you'd drive around with it in the front yeah. seat with the seatbelt on. Yep. Make sure Reggie's all safe. That'd be beautiful. You gotta make sure he's safe, you know? Can't be sending him through the front window if you get in a crash. While, yeah. while dreamily staring into his eyes while driving. Yeah. Which is something I uh, wouldn't put past you. But yeah, no, I'm not a Nintendo guy. I own a Wii U and I own a 3DS, but I never had a GameCube, never had a Wii. So it wasn't like an automatic buy for me. But watching the press conference last night, seeing the, uh, especially the Mario, Super Mario Odyssey. Holy oh, yeah, crap, looks that looks cool. fantastic. And even as like a guy who doesn't like narrative games with big stories, because I'm just very impatient with that kind of stuff, the Zelda game looks really cool. Yep. And it, it may be my foray. I got to say, I was having fun playing Wind Waker. And I should probably start it up again. Oh, yeah. How far did you get? I got... Did you get um, any dungeons? Yes. I know I beat the one with the thing clamped onto the dragon's tail. Okay. Uh, I beat well, this, the like, first one foresty after you one. There's like a foresty one, right? Yeah, that's the next one. And then I feel like something really bad happens. I don't even know. But I got a decent way into it. And I, I, it's probably something I should just pick up again and do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, life gets in the way and Overwatch gets in the way. So what can you do? You could uh, play less Overwatch. I could. And more Zelda. But look, Overwatch is just so good. It's just a perfect pick up and play and go into quick play and then get really mad because everyone's choosing Widowmaker and Hanzo and everyone wants to snipe. And then you ask yourself what's wrong with the world and you realize that it's, I don't know, probably 12 year olds who just play Sniper and Call of Duty. All of that does sound enticing. We got problems, Martin. Yeah. We got some lame superheroes, though. They have some problems. Oh, And uh, they've asked like us about these problems. problems. Oh, man. College problems. What a coincidence. Um, Job-related problems. Yeah, so they asked us some questions. They've come through us, uh, to us through the ether or through various other mediums. And to give people a preview of the questions, we're going to be Going over in this week's episode, we're going to talk about how to manage and keep track of what you're studying, even if you happen to not get everything you plan to do done in a single day. We're going to talk about how you can email your professors, which I think will probably turn into a discussion about emailing people professionally in general. And also, we're going to talk about asking for letters of recommendation. So, first question, and I'm salty about this, Martin. Uh-oh. This list, heavy.com, they're on my crap list now, you know, because they put Squirrel Girl. Call them out. They put Squirrel Girl on their list of lame superheroes. This this question comes from Squirrel Girl, but I happen to know that uh, Squirrel Girl is not a lame superhero. She is, in fact, the most powerful hero of all time. Her face is kind of creeping me out in that picture, though. It is. I don't like this one. I don't understand what I'm looking at, but... But you got me a uh, Squirrel Girl beats up the entire Marvel Universe book yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. And I uh, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> That's because I, I know better than Heavy.com. Exactly, right? I I love the overpowered ridiculousness of Squirrel It's great. To Heavy.com. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Put on a beat. Heavy.com yeah. sucks. Freestyle. Anyway, Squirrel Girl's question cool. is, I get bored of my study schedule. So I've been trying to create a schedule in the morning based on basically what I feel like doing for the day. But if I do this, I end up neglecting certain subjects. So any ideas on either sticking to a less flexible plan or not leaving anything out? All right. Either or. All right. You know, first thing that comes to my mind 
is if you have a review process in place, you're not going to let stuff uh, slip through the cracks. You like know? a like a once a week review process. Once a week or? review, yeah. And I think you know, and I don't always do this. So, uh, and to be honest, I don't always practice every single thing I preach on the podcast because that would be like 150 episodes worth of stuff to practice. But I think like the ultimate picture in my head of a diligent student who's supremely organized, right? Is someone who has a weekly review process, but who also wraps up each day with just a really quick review, you know? So if you're going into a day and you don't want to create like a really strict time boxed study schedule where you're pulling from your week plan or from your planner uh, and you know, you know exactly what you're doing. If you're just trying to kind of freestyle it and you're thinking, all right, I'm, I'm feeling like studying some math right now and maybe we'll do some history later. At the end of the day, just kind of take stock of what you did and compare it to your week plan. And at the, at the end of every week, you're going to do a weekly review and you're going to look at all the exams you have coming up, all the homework that's due. You should have all those due dates written down in a task manager like Wonderlist. So you'd be able to look at your upcoming due dates. I think with Wonderlist, you can actually look at like two weeks in the future or one week in the future or something like that. Yeah. So you'll be able to see, all right, I have a math assignment that's due in three days. I have a history exam that's coming up at next Friday and I have a huge project in my programming class due in three weeks. What are my project or what is my progress like on all of these things? What did I get done today? What do I need to change in the next days? As long as you're reviewing, you should be able to keep on top of everything you do, even if you're not being super strict with creating a plan at the beginning of every day and sticking exactly to it. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Now, I've, I've done a couple of things okay. for this. One thing I used to do for language practice because I was trying to practice my speaking, my listening, my reading all separately and make sure I was doing some of each. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I had those things out on my whiteboard, but you could just put it on a piece of paper or something if you want. Yeah. And I had those little colorful magnets you see in that video with my room. And I oh, would, yeah. every time I would do a unit of study, 20 minutes of audio practice or 20 minutes of reading or something, I would put one of the magnets next to it. And then at the end of the week, I'd be like, oh, I did a lot of reading this week, but I didn't really do a lot of listening. So I could kind of see what I've been doing. So for that, you weren't exactly following a plan based on assignments. No, nope. it was more you were tracking the amount of time or practice yeah, you were I, putting I into a something certain that you area. Finish, really. Okay. Now, as far as things you do finish, now, as I've recently mentioned on some episode, I'm sure, I'm writing out my daily schedule. Yeah. But I want to make sure that I don't forget to do certain things because if I get caught up in like weekly content, it's easy to let the bigger picture things slide by another week. Yeah, so exactly. I've started setting out kind of a default class schedule, so to speak, mm -hmm. where I've got like, do for this time period during the day, by default, do some podcast research. For this time period, work on some web development stuff and things like that. So I've got a default schedule and every day in the morning, I write down, what are my goals for each of these blocks? Yeah. What, what am I going to do in this web dev block? What am I doing in this podcast block? Mm -hmm. So therefore, I get a little bit of each topic, but I'm still being specific enough that I can actually accomplish something within that block. Okay. So maybe one of the answers that we can give here is that it might not be such a good idea to simply study what you feel like and just do it really casually. Now, you don't have to create a time-boxed step-by-step day plan where you move exactly from math and then you go to history, etc. You can do that if you want, and it might be helpful, 
but you could also do it the way that Martin's doing where you just have goals for the day that are based on your week plan or based on your task management system that shows you your due dates. And then you work through those goals at your own pace and in the order of your choosing. Yeah. But I think it's essential to have some sort of review process where at the end of the day, you look at what you've done, you've done and you move over to your week plan or to your task management system. Maybe you have both and you check it off. So you kind of know, all right, this is the progress I've made. Here's how much is left to go. And here's how much time I have left to get that thing, those things done. Yeah. And really, I think a review process is kind of essential for basically any productivity system because you yeah. can't know if it's working if you never double check. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, you know, and it's it, essential. I think it's, it's very important to not be working out of your main task management system all day long. The one I use is Asana. We use Asana at College Info Geek because we've got several team members. I would probably be using Wonderlist or something different if it was just me. But I can go to my task thing here and I can see uh, on the schedule, I've got four tasks due today and I've actually got about 10 that are overdue uh -oh. because of travel or general things slipping through the cracks. So I need to get in here today and I need to reassign due dates for some of these things. I need to assess which ones are important, which ones are low priority, get all that kind of stuff reorganized. But on a given day, I'm not working out of this thing. I'm not like, all right, I just got this done. Now I'm going to go to the next thing in Asana. I'm like, no, it's, it's too overwhelming. So I'll create a day plan either on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard. And that is what I look at as I'm going through the day. Yeah, you'll pull it out so that you're not staring at this list of like 40 items for the future. You're just looking at what am I doing right now today? Yeah, exactly. Think about it as if you were an employee in a company. Like as the employee, you're not looking at your manager's overall huge project management timeline to figure out what you need to do yeah your manager is saying yo bob i need you to code this thing and yeah. also get me a cup of coffee and simple make the coffee you code the thing and then you check those things off and you ask your manager for more stuff right yeah so you personally have a manager side and an employee side and you let the manager side do some work sometimes but you spend most of your time in the employee mode where you're not worried about all the other things so hopefully that answers Squirrel Girl's question. Much love. Shout out to Squirrel Girl. Shout out to Squirrel Girl and uh, Heavy.com. can just uh, keep its opinions to itself, you know? <laughs> I demand a redaction. Not happy. Yeah, I demand a redaction. I want censorship in this case. <laughs> we do have some other picks on this list, though, that are, I would say, more justified in calling them lame. Okay. So this next guy, uh, this next question comes from Gunfire. And he is a hero who can turn anything he touches into a gun. That is very sp <laughs> specific. <laughs> yep. I mean, I guess that could be cool. Look at that orange. But you know what would make that orange better? If it were a gun. So do they turn into things that look like guns or do they just shoot like well, guns? Well, I'm, is I'm that, looking at the, the picture orange, here. He squeeze it and it shoots seeds out at something? Uh, I'm looking at the picture here and he, he seems to be holding like a mallet and the mallet just has like a beam coming out of it. So they're like laser guns. It must be a laser gun a thing. laser gun. Yeah. It looks like he's also bulletproof. Uh, and his, his costume looks like a knockoff of Cyclops. It does look like exactly Kinda. that. Yep. I mean, that's cool but basically a lot of other things could do that without having a power i honestly wonder how many times over the course of comic book history uh that the comic book companies have just let kids 
send in ideas. Oh yeah, they're just like, my kid had this great idea. Because this just really sounds like something like five-year-old Jimmy would send in, what about a guy who can turn anything into a gun? Like, yeah. That would be so cool. So like, and then they're like, you know what? Axe cop, but in com- <laughs> for comic book. Pretty heroes. much. And axe We're on a tight deadline, dope. Johnson. What about that kid Jimmy's idea? What, the gun guy? Yeah, yeah, put him in there. Get the artist on it. Stat. All right. We don't have time. Yeah. Right. Well, they clearly didn't have a lot since he basically just... Like, honestly, if you just cover up part of that, I could might think it's Cyclops. It's close enough. Yeah. See, I feel like there's a there's a good way to do a power like this and a bad way to do a power like this. Um, there's a terrible superhero movie called Sky High that I used to watch when I was a kid because my mom ran a daycare. <laughs> Not really a good movie, but I thought one of the powers in that movie was pretty cool. There's like a... I think it's the villain, actually. She's like a techno something where she just has the ability to create ridiculous technology out of really basic parts all the time. Hmm. So it's not like being super smart. It's like just having a weird magical power to create high tech stuff. That's interesting. It looked it was kind of a cool power, at least in the context of the movie and much more imaginative than I can turn this orange into a gun. Yeah, a gun's Aha. a very specific thing to be turning something into. Yeah, I know, right? Anyway. Well, yes, what does he need? Gunfire's got a question, and his question... Oh my gosh, I just clicked through a different thing in Asana because I was demonstrating Asana. Oh, well, then it looks like his question is, how should you email your professors? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like we could be very on-the-nose and straightforward about this question, but I want to take it in a different direction first. Uh, and so my, my initial answer for how you email your professors is more often than you think you should. And I say that because I think a lot of college students, and this could be something that high school students do as well. I don't think I ever emailed a high school professor or teacher, but it might be a thing that happens more often now. Or maybe people Snapchat their teachers. Yo, I'm going to snap this homework question. I'm going to snap my teacher. Yo, I'm going to be sick today. Huh. That's that's like the... Uh, There's got to be somebody doing that That's right the now. alternative to a doctor's note. Uh, if you want to be excused from class, you need to snap me a picture of yourself and it better look convincingly sick. Yeah. <laughs> the mom's in the background like, he has strep throat. Believe it. <laughs> that is that is a thing. There are enough people that somebody has done that. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think that people only email professors like most of the time when they need something. You know, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be gone. I'm going on vacation to the Bahamas. Can I please skip my finals? Or I miss class what did we miss or you know what notes do i need uh and we can talk about that all we want but one of the things i think it's incredibly important to do for many many reasons is to create a good relationship with your professors because number one you're going to be more invested in your classes when you have somebody who you know uh you probably respect them a little more when you know them you're kind of hoping that they'll respect you you kind of want to look good make a good impression once you know them and also it's, uh, and this is going to relate to our next question, actually. When you know your professors, it's easier to ask for letters of recommendation. There's a higher percentage chance that they're going to pick you for maybe like a research opportunity or if they happen to have a job that comes up and they know about, like they're going to think of you. Um, and this doesn't have to happen just through interpersonal in-the-class interactions. You can do it through email. For instance, when I was a sophomore, I had a marketing class that I was going through. And occasionally I would just email the professor interesting marketing articles. I would just say, hey, you know, I thought this was a really cool story that you might want to maybe bring up in class or something. 
Um, the one I remember is back when Portal 2 was going to come out. They had this really weird secret website you could go to. And I'm trying to remember how exactly it worked. I think you had to play a lot of games in Steam. And like the more hours you played in certain Steam games, it would contribute to oh, this yeah. thing where it would, it would no, release remember, Portal 2 a little early or something. So Valve, in like a genius move, engineered this crazy campaign where people were just buying a ton of other games on Steam and playing a ton of games. And all that was contributing to releasing Portal 2. Like, I think it ended up being like two days early or something. It wasn't crazy. So I thought it was interesting marketing because how easy is it for them to say, all right, the actual release date is February 10th, but we're going to say it's February 12th and people can unlock it by buying lots of games on Steam. Yeah. It was it was genius. And there was a bunch of other stuff to it. So I sent that to him. I don't know if he ever used it in class, but I do remember him replying and saying, hey, that was really interesting. So thanks for emailing that. You know, and that just, that just helped to build that relationship with that particular professor. So number one, think to email your professors at times other than when you need something. Yeah, you can't always you know? just be asking for something. Yeah. Beyond that, how do you email a professor? What are some of the common pitfalls, things that make you look bad, that kind of thing, when maybe you do need something? One of the things mm. that comes to my mind immediately is um, I know a lot of people will email and say, hey, I missed class this day. Did I miss anything important? That hurts. Everything's important. Exactly. Your it's professor. That's what they're doing <laughs> with their life. Even you if it's a it's class, important. exactly, yeah. Even if it's a class where you're just like, all right, I'm just getting this class for the grade. It's a required class for my degree or something. Your professor is spending 40 hours a week or that's, more. That's their life. Teaching that. Also, that's still, their thing. It still hurts to be like, yes, I know 90% of you don't even care about the thing that I'm dedicating my life to teaching, but you don't have to say it. So yeah, directly. absolutely. Could you pretend that you like what I'm saying <laughs> so that I feel good about my life? I know, right? So if you miss class... You would email them and you'd say, hey, I missed class on this day um, and I'm wondering if I could come in maybe and talk to you about what I missed or if there are any notes I can get. Don't make it seem like you're only just trying to get what you need for the test, you know? Yeah. Uh, and possibly don't even talk to the professor. Maybe you could just ask a classmate to share the notes with you and to tell you what you missed, you know? Yeah. I don't, I, I never wanted to come to professors looking bad. So I would try to do that with like classmates instead. Yeah. So when you need something like that, it's a little, little thing, just notes from yesterday. Don't, don't bother to waste the time of your professor if you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. A uh, couple other things. Professors are generally very busy people. So don't write them a giant wall of text. You don't need to tell them your life story. You know, oh, I woke up and my ferret was actually running around my room and my dog tripped on him. And then my dog fell into me and then I hit my head and I had to go to the doctor. Uh, we stopped at Burger King and I got food poisoning on the way there. So I'm sick today and I can't like, he doesn't care. Just say yeah. you're sick. If he's the kind of person who wants a doctor's note or an excuse, he'll tell you, you know, but in general, I'm the kind of person who assumes through experience because I live this every day. Uh, I assume that professors are busy people who get way too many emails and don't want to deal with a huge long one. So I'm I'm the kind of person who's going to cut to the chase. Dear Mr. Folger, my name's Thomas Frank. I'm in your Tuesday 3 p.m. marketing class, and I just wanted to let you know I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it this week because I have a job fair I need to go to. 
or I'm sick today. Um, if there's anything I can do to make up, you know, if there's anything I miss, I'd be happy to make it up. And if I could come in to your office hours next week to review or to, you know, get the notes or whatever, I'd love to do that. Real short and simple. They'll get back to you. Yeah. And that's, that's for everybody, not just professors, but email, yeah. email in general. Absolutely. With email, keep it short. Don't try to be uber clever. And also realize that it may, it may take them a little while to get back to you. I think email is a horrible chore for most people. So the more you oh, make the them worst. spend their time doing a horrible chore, like the less pleasant they're going to feel. Email's just this steady drip of of obligation. Yeah. And it's like it's like anything that's easy and fine and, you know, I'm happy to deal with it when it's one, but when there's a zillion of them, they become overwhelming because it just is like you're looking at your inbox and it is a to-do list. So if every individual to do is a giant wall of text, it's hard to parse. It's hard to figure out what the person wants. Um, it just saps your willpower and you don't want to deal with it. So when I'm emailing a professor, if I want them to do something or if there's some action I need to take, I'm polite and I'm very to the point and I make it as easy as it possibly can be. Yeah. And that's how I try to email anybody, but professors especially. Uh, and the third question is actually quite related to this in terms of dealing with professors. So this question comes from US number one. Number one. And uh, it looks like this guy is a a trucker, I think. Oh, because that looks like kind of like a highway symbol. He's maybe. a trucker man, and he's got a steel plate in his brain that lets him receive CB radio signals <laughs> without needing a real radio. <laughs> so his that superpower that he could just have a smartphone like at on. all times he is just constantly hearing in his brain 10-4 good buddy we're gonna be stopping at the phillips 66 to get a donut that's a curse not a superpower <laughs> i don't really know how he fights crime with that um there are evil truckers he's gonna know about it <laughs> yeah it doesn't even say here what he Maybe did make what sort of crime like, he fought like a sheriff he's just patrolling the interstates oh there we like, go that's like it. That's the only thing I could think of that would be useful. I do remember back back in the 70s for a really long period of time, I think stretching back maybe to the 30s, um, the government lowered the speed limits to like a kind of a ridiculous amount. Yeah. So there was this truck, this trucker culture where truckers would use their CB radios. They would have this kind of watchdog network and they'd all speed ridiculously because they're all getting paid by the mile, not by the hour. And uh, so whenever they'd see a cop or something, they would, they would warn each other with CB radios. So I could see if, I don't know, if US number one is actually some sort of sheriff, he can get the CB radio yeah. I from think the trucker spy there, network. And he's like, oh, I know where these guys are coming that's from. That's basically, I don't know what else he's going to do against like a super villain. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The super villain has CB related powers. <laughs> <laughs> something i don't think this guy's gonna do anything against a super villain but his question is how can i ask for a letter of recommendation uh, i've actually been out of school for a while and i don't have any relationships with my professors that's unfortunate which that's a tough qualifier because let's be honest here uh, a letter of recommendation is not just this magical thing that professors hand out um and you don't don't even think of this as a professor-student relationship. Think of this as a human-to-human -human relationship in which two humans 
have been in close proximity to each other. Maybe they've worked together. Maybe one has worked under the other or the other one has supervised the learning of one of those people or at least seen them do work or seen them try really hard to learn something. Uh, a letter of recommendation is, so, is just a piece of paper that communicates one person's uh, trust in the work of another, right? Yeah. And if you don't know the person that you're asking for a letter of recommendation from, how can they honestly recommend you for anything? What are they even going to write? You know? The language of the letter is going to be so generic. They're just going to be like, yes, I like Cindy. She is very good yeah. at her major and other interests. Yeah, Please absolutely. hire her. <laughs> that's, that's not even convincing. What are they going to write if they don't know you? I had a debate with a, a friend of mine a while ago. Uh, because his, his position on letters of recommendation was that if you have a friend who's going for a job, uh, you should just like BS a letter of recommendation for them because they're your friend. Like, Oh, I'll write you a letter or I'll give you a, a reference or whatever. I don't think I'd do that unless you I know? trusted that I was, they're a good recommendation. Yeah. And uh, I had this, I, I don't know. I don't know why he couldn't see it the way I see it. Maybe it's like some people just think the value of a friendship is worth lying over, but for me, when I'm recommending someone, if I'm giving them a reference or if I'm writing a letter of recommendation for them or if I'm calling in to talk them up, I'm putting my or my reputation on the line because the person that is going to hire them is now trusting me. I'm the one that's putting my butt on the line for that person's work. I'm vouching for them. And as somebody who I am, I don't employ other people. Like You're not my employee, but you work for me. Um, Kayla works for me. Anna works for me, Ransom writes articles for me. If somebody told me that, oh yeah, Martin's awesome, he's so good, and you know what? He can actually design, uh, and he has like a super motion graphics designer. He can make Pixar quality videos for I can, you, I can and I make a hiring decision off of that. I can't do that. And then it turns out Martin has literally no clue how to even open Maya. I don't even know what that is. So exactly, you got right? Me. You got me. All right, so number one, now I'm in a pinch because I've just made a hiring decision. I've brought this person on and now That's I have to be like, oh, yeah. you guys lied to me. I just spent money, wasted time, and I have to fire you and I'm going to feel bad. But number two, the person who recommended Martin to me, I'm like, what the heck, dude? I no longer trust your recommendations because clearly you were just, um, you just made stuff up. making stuff up for a friend of yours. So you threw me under the bus and now I don't even know if I like you because you lied to me. Yeah. Hey, and number you know? three. Martin's hurting now because my resume says I just got fired on day three because I didn't have any idea what I was doing. <laughs> exactly. So in regards to the qualifier here, you need to have relationships with your professors. Now, let's 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 like paint a scenario here. Maybe you didn't have an amazing relationship like friendship wise with a professor, but maybe you've been at a school for not a ton of time and uh, your professors do, do, like does remember the work you did. Maybe you yeah, did maybe really you well did in really your well. class or maybe you turned in a really stellar project. If you honestly believe that you did that, then you could send a nice polite email saying, hey, Professor Folger, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Thomas Frank and I took your class back in 2012 and uh, I turned in a project that got an A and I was wondering if you would be willing to write a letter of recommendation based on that work because I'm going for this position and I think that uh, your recommendation would be really helpful. Yeah, based on that, that work case, specifically you know? so that they don't have to like pull some nonsense about how yeah. you saved burning kitties from a fire. Why are they burning? I didn't want them to be burning. You're supposed to save them before <laughs> they burn. Whatever. 
Um, I'm not really. You're I not getting my recommendation. You're not a very good superhero either, I guess. <laughs> I'm only gonna recommend you if you can save the kittens before they burn. Yeah, but if you if you don't even have that one professional person in your old university or even high school that might know you a little better would be an advisor or a counselor of some form. Yeah, exactly. Because I think the default for most majors is that you see your advisor a lot. You plan through your college. You do mm -hmm. stuff. So inherently, they, they might know a little more. Maybe they could write the letter. Uh, okay, so a couple other things. If you don't have relationships with your professors, realize that your professors are not the only people who can write you a letter of recommendation. Uh, if you have a uh, an employer that you worked for that you have a good relationship with, or even coworkers. And actually, I think if you look on my LinkedIn, I have recommendations from people I just worked with at the IT center at Iowa State. Oh, yeah? They weren't above me. They were just coworkers, you know? And honestly, a lot of times when you're applying for a job, the person that's hiring you doesn't know the relationship every single time unless, you know, the person who's writing the letter outright states it. Uh, and a lot of times they won't care, you know? Yeah. If Martin's coworker at Flying Hippo Web Development was like, hey, Martin was awesome. He set up these servers for us. He automated so many processes and he made my job 10 times easier. I do not care that that guy wasn't his supervisor. Yeah. Like, you're a dude who's putting in work 40 hours a week and you say Martin helped you make your job way easier. I don't automatically think you're just BSing me because you were his friend and coworker. Uh, and I have written Martin recommendations and uh, actually one on you, LinkedIn, actually. Yeah, on LinkedIn. Right on if you go to his uh, love letter site that he made for that job, it's I want to fly with hippos.com. It was a website that he set up entirely for wanting to get hired at that job. You'll see a recommendation from me. Uh, it doesn't matter that Martin and I were best friends because you legitimately did a fantastic job coding the CIG website. And I was incredibly satisfied with the work as somebody who needed the work done, not as a friend. Yeah. So if you have a friend you've worked with, ask them to write a letter of recommendation from the perspective of the person who uh, was working with you, not just from yeah, your friend. Don't, like, don't oh, have them sign like, yeah. sincerely, Tom's best bud. Yeah, exactly. You know, have them put their name. I think there are situations where you might push this too far. Like if you're going to use your mom or something, <laughs> uh, it, there better be a darn good reason why you're using your mom. Yeah. Like maybe your mom is the CEO of a huge company and you worked for that company or something and you did a fantastic job, sure. But you've <laughs> like trimmed your mom's hedges and she's like, oh yeah, Jamie's a great worker. He's got such a good work ethic and my he doesn't even drink that much never lemonade. never forgets but my it, birthday. Like, yeah. Never. <laughs> He's got a great memory and I think you can trust him for it. Yeah, so you can, you can push it too far, but you still can use people you're friends with, people you've worked with, coworkers, they can all be potential sources of letters of recommendation. Or maybe people you volunteered with. So go out and get some volunteer experience. Yeah, Use absolutely. Them. Yeah, if you need people to recommend you, go out and do things worthy of being recommended for and build relationships with people in those areas. Yeah. You know, you can volunteer in a weekend and build yeah. some relationships. Hey, people like it um, when you do free work for them. Yeah. It does good things. Freshman so year. you don't have to pass a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. Freshman year, I volunteered with a group and we went out and winterized a bunch of homes in the town that I went to college in. So we went in, we put basically, it was like basically thick saran wrap over the windows yeah, to keep the cold from getting out. I uh, did a few other things and I met a bunch of people through that. And personally, I never had to ask those people for letters of recommendation, but I worked with them. We were together. We were doing work together. So I think those people would have been happy to do that. Now, regardless of who you're asking to write the letter, 
there are some things you should do. Number one, don't write the letter for them and just ask them to sign it. That do looks sleazy. Do that? Yes. Oh, don't uh, do that. Clearly don't do and that. And I think sometimes this comes from a place of good intentions. Like, oh, this professor's busy. You're I bet you if effort, I just save them the effort by writing the letter and asking, asking them, them to, to sign kind it. of lie, though. It's... Exactly. You know, let them do it in their own words, but give them as much information as you can. So tell them what the job is, uh, what company you're applying with, or if it's a you know research position or if it's a, a PhD position, like tell them where the school is. Ask them to talk. Like, if you could talk about this particular project I worked with you on or um, one of the things I know they're looking for in this position is the ability to do great research or um, oh, the yeah. ability to solve problems quickly. So if you can think of, an, of a time when I solved the problem quickly or I was able to come up with a solution on the spot, that would be amazing if you could mention that in a letter recommendation. If you can jog their memory about something that they've done with you or that they saw you do, then they're going to have a much easier time writing that letter. You know, if you're just like, can you please write a letter of recommendation? And that's all you say. They're going to be like, ah, you know? Yeah, I have like 80 students. They might know. Every day. If Martin's just like, yo, I need a letter of recommendation, I could probably come up with it because I work with him every single day. But I could tell you, even in, even in that relationship, if you were able to tell me exactly what you needed it for and the qualities that you think would be best for me to talk about, I would be so much. Yeah, and I think the letter uh, will help me a lot more, more if that. I directed you in something specific yeah. to how it's going to be used. Yeah, exactly. If they if they go and they write like thirty sentences about how you're great at math, but that's the opposite. That's not at all what you needed. Exactly. Yeah. Then... So always remember, relevance is key. Be specific and also be polite and be very thankful for them to do it. You know, and if they do it, if they say yes, make sure you send them a follow up email to say thank you so much for the letter recommendation. If you happen to get the job or you land whatever position you're going for or you win in whatever way you're trying to win, uh, follow I mean, up. Yeah, Tell them, them hey, I just wanted to let you know that I got the job. Thank you so much for hey, that letter. It good. really helped. You know, Tell them it helped. And that's just going to continue to strengthen that relationship. They're going to feel really good. They're going to feel like you know? they, they're a life changer. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. You're going to brighten their day. And Always. Uh, Why not? I don't yeah. Know. You know, you don't have to be constantly trying to do this. But when you think of it. Um, never pass up an opportunity to just kind of stoke the fires in an old relationship you have because you never know when that's going to be useful or when you can be useful, you know? Out of context, that's horrible advice. <laughs> <laughs> just don't don't be afraid to stoke the fires of an old relationship. Yeah, all I'm saying is like, <laughs> you should, like, you know your ex-girlfriend, you, you should just text her good morning text with a winky face every morning. <laughs> that's fine. I'm just... <laughs> And then just, I'm just stoking the fires. Why are you mad? Yeah, tell your current girlfriend, you know, do that. you never know when an old relationship could turn into something great. <laughs> this is horrible advice. Never follow this last part. <laughs> okay, romantically, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe a bad Professionally, idea. Professionally, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> just don't twist it. Don't cut that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, nice. I think we need to close this dumpster fire out before it gets any worse <laughs> yeah there are kittens in here <laughs> the kittens are burning <laughs> damn it we should have called squirrel girl all right do they have the short link to this episode for the shop no i don't think so okay short link to the show notes for this episode i know martin mentioned his uh study area video that we did where you can i, I don't even remember what you're talking about but you did mention know. it uh so that oh, at least whiteboard ah whiteboard magnets. magnets all that kind of stuff so that stuff will be linked up uh, we'll have all the other resources that were relevant or that we mentioned in this episode linked over at the show notes. 
And you can find those over at CIGpodcast.com slash 142. This is the second episode in the CIG podcast history with a number 42 in it. Oh, that's fancy. It's a good number, mm. you know, for those of you Looking poopy forward fruits to who know where your towels are. And by the way, if you are listening to the show and you're thinking to yourself, man, you know what I would just love to do after listening to the show? I would love to find some awesome resources that could help me save money or study more effectively or be more productive. We've got a huge collection of all of our favorite stuff, productivity tools, learning tools, physical gear we use like backpacks and books. whiteboards and stuff. That's my favorite. Essential books. Uh, all of that's over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. So check that out. Martin just added a brand new resource sorting feature. So if you go over to the page and you're like, I want to see only things related to saving money, click money and bam, all I'm the money stuff. Trying there. to save your scroll finger. Exactly, right? Scroll finger paralysis is one of the That's, most common yeah. afflictions for podcasters trying to advertise their resources pages so yep. yeah it hurts me a lot exactly so we developed this custom-built solution to save your finger uh, we've also got a college packing guide so if you happen to be going off to college anytime soon you can check that out um and that's it i'm distracted because i think this the garbage truck outside is somehow conjuring a tornado. Yeah. Well, there, was, it sounds there like. was the dumpster fire we were talking about. So <sighs> maybe the garbage truck it. took away the dumpster fire. Maybe. I hope so. We're good now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you want to support this show, uh, there is a link on the show notes page to rate and review the show over on iTunes. That is a great way to help bump this show up the charts over there, which helps more students find it. And we massively appreciate any reviews we get. So thank you so much if you do that. And that's all we have for this episode. So once again, thank you for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you.